Welcome to First Formation, spiritual exercise for Christian soldiers looking to get the fuck up and pray. Join Pew Pew HQ every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 86 Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am devoted to you. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you do I call all day long. Gladden the soul of your spirit servant, for to, for to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving abounding in steadfast love to all who call on you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my cry of supplication. In the day of my trouble I call on you, for you will answer me. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and bow down before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart to revere your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord, my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. For great is your steadfast love toward me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. O God, the insolent rise up against me. A band of ruffians seeks my life, and they do not set you before them. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Give your strength to your servant. Save the child of your serving girl. Show me a sign of your favor, so that those who hate me may see it and be put to shame. Because you, O Lord, have helped me and comforted me. 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 27 through chapter 10, verse 8. As they were going down to the outskirts of the town, Samuel said to Saul, Tell the boy to go on before us, and when he has passed us, stop here for yourself for a while, that I may make known to you the word of God. Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him. He said, The Lord has anointed you ruler over his people Israel. You shall reign over the people of the Lord, and you will save them from the hand of their enemies all around. Now this shall be the sign to you that the Lord has anointed you ruler over his heritage. When you depart from me today, you will meet two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at Zelzah. They will say to you, The donkeys that you went to seek are found, and now your father has stopped worrying about them and is worrying about you, saying, What shall I do about my son? Then you shall go on from there further and come to the oak of Tabor. Three men going up to God at Bethel will meet you there one carrying three kids, another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a skin of wine. They will greet you and give you two loaves of bread, which you shall accept from them. After that you shall come to Gebeth Elohim, at the place where the Philistine garrison is. There, as you come to the town, you will meet a band of prophets coming down from the shrine with harp, tambourine, flute, and lyre, playing in front of them. They will be in a prophetic frenzy. 
Then the Spirit of the Lord will possess you, and you will be in a prophetic frenzy along with them, and be turned into a different person. Now when these signs meet you, you do whatever you see fit to do, for God is with you. And you shall go down to Gilgal ahead of me. Then I will come down to you to present burnt offerings and offer sacrifices of well-being. Seven days you shall wait until I come to you and show you what you shall do. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 through chapter 7, verse 1. Do not be mismatched with unbelievers. For what partnership is there between righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship is there between light and darkness? What agreement does Christ have with Belair? Or what does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. And God said, I will, make, I will live in them and walk among them, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore come out of them and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch nothing unclean. Then I will welcome you and, you will be, and I will be your father, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, making holiness perfect in the fear of God. Good morning, and welcome to the second Monday after Epiphany. This is Brother Logan Isaac, broadcasting from Iamsville, Maryland. This morning's readings come to us from Psalm 86, 1 Samuel 9 and 10, and 2 Corinthians 6 and 7. Uh, I don't know if I've ever had readings that split the the chapters like that uh, twice in one reading, but um, all things uh, are possible, I suppose, with God. Uh, This morning... Uh, the reading from Samuel is really uh, interesting. Saul develops very quickly a, a reputation for not being a great king, um, and there's not a whole lot of explanation, and there there isn't typically. Um, I was looking this up the other day um, with David, with Isaac, with all the patriarchs. Um, they're typically the youngest in their family, which defies um, the birthright um uh, uh, com- what am I trying to say? Concept. <laughs> uh, birthright is when the oldest male heir typically gets the largest portion or gets all of the inheritance of a family. Um, and he goes to the first because, you know, who knows when the last kid is going to be born, right? Um, and the first kid is supposed to be responsible for others or help with the others. Um, and consistently this happens. Uh, that God chooses the youngest, um, or the youngest gets a disproportionate share um, over and above their their brother. Um, Jacob and Esau, uh, you know, they were uh, different in age just by a second, but Jacob gets it. Um, the Isaac is the younger of two sons uh, of Abraham, Ishmael and Isaac. Um, Abraham, we don't really know, but like it happens again and again and again. Samuel is the youngest son, and he, uh, the youngest son of Elkanah, by his his favored wife Hannah. Uh, it was he was Hannah's only child, and uh, Peniah, who was um, Elkanah's less favored wife, had multiple sons or children. So Samuel was the youngest. Saul, we don't really know as much about. 
there's a big story about you know the Cinderella story where you know like with David you see all the other brothers and Samuel's like okay nope 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 where's the where's the rest um, Saul you know I I don't know of any like justification or rationale as to why Saul was selected um, and he develops very quickly into uh, rather unruly and uh, unpopular king. But before all that, um, Samuel, when Samuel appoints him, um, he does it in relative secret, um, which I don't know if I don't know if that's normal or not. David, it wasn't in secret; it's just only with his family. Um, and then Solomon, I, I suspect, actually had kind of a big deal because David was quite prosperous, and, and Solomon was one of his sons. So, um, but Saul, you know, he's the first king. Um, the people have asked for a king after the the chaos of judges, um, and it's it's this kind of unfortunate moment in God's eyes and in Samuel's eyes um, because they've failed to rule themselves. So they need a singular ruler, um, and God has Samuel tell them, "Look, this is what's going to happen, and it's not going to be nice, but um, you've asked for it, so I, I'll give it to you." Um, and that might explain why, you know, he's not so popular because God seems to have chosen Samuel or Saul under, you know, a certain kind of duress. And Samuel is technically a judge, so they have a judge and a king at the same time. And uh, I forgot about this, you know, kind of call story, for lack of a better word, where he tells him, <laughs> uh, he tells him, you know, do all these things, uh, predicting the future kind of stuff. And one of the things he says is go down to basically the enemy's camp, the Philistine garrison, and you're going to see a bunch of people playing uh, playing instruments and making fools of themselves in a prophetic frenzy. And he says, now you go do that too. And when that frenzy comes over, you just do whatever you want because the, the Spirit of God will be with you. And um, he does that for, I don't know, several days. Um, but I can't help but think of the imagery of the newly installed king going out to the enemy's gates and like, I don't know, stripping off his clothes and dancing and playing music and like, you know, generally making a fool of himself. But that uh, behavior being evidence of God being with him. Um, the, uh, I, I don't know why that, that sticks with me other than like, it's like it upends our expectations about decorum and politics and the rest um, we have it in our minds that uh, superior force wins. There's a problem with the Egyptians. They had chariots, they had horsemen, and that's like ancient Near East code for militarily powerful. And they trusted in their chariots, their military power. Um, and Israel doesn't do the same thing. Um, I think America in various stages of its life has, but also hasn't, um, and I think with the leaders of Israel, you know, it isn't just Saul that does it. David, when he's celebrating bringing the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem, he makes a fool of himself. And Michal, his soon-to-be wife, I think, um, makes fun of him. And because she makes fun of him or, like, disapproves of him making a fool of himself, God uh, makes her barren and she can't have children, I think. Um, and so these conventions that we have about 
what it means to be a nation and to protect itself and to you know take itself too seriously, um, God in the Bible frequently upends that. Um, he has kings, newly installed kings. I mean, the Philistines don't know it. Most of the Israelites don't know it. The band of prophets don't know it. But he's going to go off and uh, dance around and get into a prophetic frenzy, and then he's going to be announced as king. Um, and that certainly undermines our expectations around what it means to be, you know, respectable and upright and and, and all the rest. Um, and I think those moments can be really powerful. Um, I think of Joe Biden. I don't remember if he was, the, I don't know when it occurred. Um, it was after Sandy Hook or something. That he was, there's this video of him walking through, I don't know if it was the Capitol or not, but he's walking along, you know, it's kind of meet and greet, and um, he hears his name, and behind him there's a, a young man with Down syndrome, and you can't quite hear what he's saying. And the young man with Down syndrome is the son of someone killed in one of these school shootings. And Biden... Uh, you know, he's he's well up there in age, and he's been a statesman, a politician for, God, decades. Um, but that doesn't stop him from uh, giving this young man a big hug. And the man is kind of crying into his shoulder, and I think that's when he, he hears or he's told this man's father was killed in this school shooting, I think. And it's this moment of humanity, of simplicity, of compassion, um, and that's what I think is is kind of going on in this scene, that God wants, uh, God's heart is for the people. It's the people are God's heritage in this passage, or described as such. And these are, you know, these are God's children, and the person that's going to be in charge of them doesn't get to lord it over them. Um, and these moments where their humanity, their humanness, um, their their violation of you know strict social norms is uh, I think works to remind us that you know not to take ourselves too seriously to put compassion and uh, humanity and connection before all these other things and that uh, I think um, is much more I think that provides for our security just as much as it does if not more than it does, I think it does more than military force. When nations know us to be compassionate and um, slow to anger and and the rest, I think that in and of itself can be a protective um, element of of who we are and how we we work before the world. Um, But it requires that we let down our guard. Um, By letting down our guard, it shows that um, we, we don't have to hide behind chariots and horses. Um, that there's something more important than being ready with a big stick, um, but that we we haven't and will not lose sight of our humanness um, in the face of, of tragedy and, and human need. A prayer for those who influence public opinion from the Book of Common Prayer. Almighty God, You proclaim your truth in every age by many voices. 
Direct in our time, we pray, those who speak where many listen and write what many read, that they may do their part in making the heart of this people wise, its mind sound, and its will righteous. To the honor of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for falling into First Formation, where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, you can participate in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash pewpewhq. You can contribute as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a lectionary reading for a future episode. Instructions will be provided, and you don't have to be a grunt to collaborate with Pew Pew HQ in this or any way. Finally, you can also record and send prayer requests of a minute or less. Prayers can be included in the episode, read anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in First Formation. I hope you'll continue to listen, even if I can't convince you to jump in. This has been Brother Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.